It's good to have you. It's good to be with you. Thank you for being at Southwest Church uh, on the lawn. My name is Ricky, and on behalf of everybody that calls this place home, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being with us uh, today. We're excited about where our church is in this moment. We're excited about the future, and we're believing God for great things in our church, so much so that we set our drive for this year is around the three R's. We're going to regroup our people together. Uh, we're going to revision and make sure that you know how God wants you to show up as a part of Southwest to make the name of Jesus famous. And we're going to rebuild. We are believing God that the days ahead are even better than the days behind. And why, Ricky, can you dare trust God on a week like this? Because we walk by faith. And faith is acting like a thing is so, even though it ain't so in order that it might be so. And that's our heart's cry, that we want to be those people who live by faith. It is a new season, but the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is the same God. Hold on to that truth as we move forward. If you're new to us, we started off our year to unify our congregation with three charges for 2021. So I'm just going to briefly remind you of those because we want to be a church that's on fire for the Lord. And so we gave you three pastoral charges. Do you remember this? We are asking you to lean into prayer. We're calling everybody that loves this church to pray for this church every day this year. But one good turn deserves another. We ask you to fill out your 2021 prayer card because I want to be a good shepherd. We're going to print out a couple of thousand of these. And every morning, I'm going to pray for you and your family by name, about 10 or 15 or so a day, every day this year. Help me help you in prayer by filling out that prayer card and lean into prayer. Secondly, we are charging you to lean into the word. You're not going to have a great relationship with God if you don't have a good relationship with your Bible. So we're encouraging our people to get deep into the word of God. Church, you cannot stand for a word you hadn't read. And so we just want to encourage that. We're doing a Bible in the uh, Bible, read the Bible in a year plan. You can find out about that on southwestchurch.com. Uh, lean into prayer, lean into the word, and then finally lean into connection. You don't just need God, you need God's people. You just do. You got to go through the ditches of life. You may as well go through those ditches with people by your side. And so when we say rooted, it's an opportunity for you to learn more about God and your purpose and your church alongside people that are having the same pursuit in their lives. Well, we're talking about faith, okay? Faith. Everybody say faith. faith. You got to have faith. And the whole argument of this new Keep the Faith series is this. If you desire fruit... In 2021, it will require faith in God. If you desire fruit in 2021, it will require faith in God. And so for all of those who want fruit, and when you hear fruit, that's just biblical speak for I want to have a year that counts for something. At the end of the day, that, that's what it means. I want to have a year that counts for something that is meaningful in my life. The Bible says that you have to have faith. And so we're looking at some of the grandest expositions of faith in our New Testament. Last weekend, we explained to you guys what is the meaning of faith. If you've got to walk by faith, you may as well know what it is. And we talked about the meaning of faith. Remember, we said faith is just trusting that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. And we said that faith is acting like a thing is so even when it ain't so, in order that it might be so, because God said so. We said that faith is acting like God is telling the truth. 
And how many of you know we need Christians this week especially to act like God has told us the truth? And that's what we mean when we say faith. That's the meaning and that's the nature of faith. We also talked about the active faith. Like if I got to live by faith, how do I process it? How do I actualize that in my life? Do you guys remember what the number one thing to do is? You got to move. That was, that was a communicative trick of the trade, right? Like scared you on purpose. Move. Okay. If you want to live by faith, God says you got to move by faith which means I'm just going to move trusting that he meant what he said to me. And so I'm not going to wait for him to give me assurance of a soft landing. I'm going to move at his word. I'm not going to wait until he takes away all the risks and makes it easy. I'm going to move at his word. I'm not going to wait until it's just something that I picked out that I can go through, that I can win in my own power. No, I'm going to move at his word. Now, whereas last weekend we wrestled with as to what is faith, over the next two weekends, we want to have dialogue as to hear this now, how our faith grows, how our faith grows. Everybody looking this way, okay? Okay, because I want you to know what's coming. Um, You ain't going to say this is the best sermon you ever heard. Ain't no one leaving today saying, oh, you better get online and listen to this sermon. And I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit wants to challenge us today. The Holy Spirit wants to say some hard things to us, but he wants to say some hard things in order to help us, okay? So there's some sermons you hear that are just like, oh my gosh, if that sermon was food, that is a 20-ounce T-bone. It is oozing with butter sauce. It is cooked to a perfect medium rare. It has sautéed mushrooms and Oscar crab meat on the top. It is accompanied with bacony Brussels with that sweet chili sauce with the crumbled feta cheese in it. I forgot what I, where I was going. But anyways, there are some sermons where you just walk away saying that was one of the best meals that I ever had in my life. I'll never forget that. This ain't no T-bone sermon. Okay? Three, four times a week growing up, I had peas and carrots. And it came right out of that can, and my mom forced me to eat every last bit. And I'm here to tell you that it wasn't the T-bones that made me strong over the time. It was the peas and carrots. And God wants to give his church some peas and carrots nutrition that's going to help you have a fruitful 2021. Now, Ricky, where are you going with this? This is kind of foreboding. Why don't you just tell us where you're going to land the plane? Here it is. The number one recipe... Give the number two recipe or ingredient next week. But the number one ingredient for God's recipe for growing your faith is that God increases our faith through, here it is, the trials we experience in our lives. Oh my gosh, this is a terrible sermon already. The preachers are going to talk about hard times. But hear the good news of the gospel. God increases our faith through the trials we experience in our lives. So the good news is that God has a plan for my pain. God has a triumph for my trouble. God has a purpose for my process. That's the good news. But the bad news is I got to have some pain. The bad news is I got to go through a process. The bad news, I got to have a little trouble, but God uses the trouble to perfect us into what he's shaping us to be. That's the big picture idea for our day. Go now to the word of God with me, Hebrews chapter 11, verses one through six, the writer is writing to us. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. 
We don't know. Some think it's Paul. Some think it's Clement of Alexandria. Some think it's Apollos. We have no idea. But when we see the weight of the letter, the country preacher just said, well, he bruised them so bad. That joke didn't land in the last service either. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Look at what he's saying to us today. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their, hear it now, commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Watch now the eyewitness accounts of what's on the other side of you trusting in God. Look at what he says, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was, here it, again, here it is again, commended as righteous. God, here goes that word again, God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was, here we go again, commended as having pleased God. And look at our promise, Southwest in verse six, we'll look at it on screen. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. I have read from the greatest book ever written. And I bear witness this day that all of its words are true. Amen? Amen. We're just going to get right into this. So we, we know the short answer, right? Like we know how faith grows. One of the ingredients for the recipe for God growing our faith, we know one of them is he allows us to go through trial. He allows us to experience pain. He allows us to go through ups and downs in our life. And through that process, he grows our faith. That's a simple answer. But we would do a disservice if we didn't give you the more, if you will, qualified answer. But the question that's really on our hearts is not just how faith grows, but why faith grows through trials. Right? So that's the question we got to do a service to you and answer that question. Why does God allow trials? Now, go with me in the classroom for a few minutes. I promise we're going to church. But what you need to know about Hebrews chapter 11 is that this question, why does God allow trials in my life? That is at the heart of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, remember, the writer is writing to a collection of Jews turned Christians. He's writing to some Jews turned Christians. These were people who were faithfully practicing Judaism. They hear the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They put their trust and faith in him, and now they become converted Christians. But a wacko named Nero is on the throne. He is wreaking havoc on the Christian church. They are beginning to feel the tinges of persecution. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 32 through 34 chronicles some of their lament and tumult. Uh, the Bible says that because they had a witness for Jesus that they were going through public taunting. Because they had a, a witness for Jesus, their possessions were being confiscated. Because they had a witness for Jesus, uh, they were going through all sorts of afflictions. And it wasn't even just that. It was just not them, but even people in their family and circles of friends who were not Christians were going through the same things just because they were associated with them. And so as the writer writes Hebrews, that's the issue. They've just become Christians. They're going through persecution as a result. And there's something in their flesh that wants to say, you know what? Maybe Judaism was better. Lord knows it was easier. 
and they're thinking about shrinking back. Can anybody else be a witness that it seems like you got into more trouble when you got saved as opposed to when you wasn't even thinking about Jesus? And they're thinking about turning back, but don't judge them because all of us are guilty when we're suffering and when we're hurting and and when we're reeling from our pain. All of us are guilty of temporarily thinking about putting our hope in what our hope used to be in. Can I get an Alcoholics Anonymous witness? Can can I get a, let me just make all the money I can and spend it while I can witness. Ladies, can I get a spaz out and spend up this credit card at Target witness. Fellas, I'm not leaving you out of this. Can I get a, I'm going to Harley Davidson woman and I don't care what you say, witness. We're all guilty of wanting to shrink back when it's hard and put our faith into what our hopes used to lie in. But in a loud voice, the writer says to the readers the same words, I cry to you, don't shrink back. Don't lose hope. God's not dead. Jesus still has a plan. He sees you, he has you, and he will bring you through. Oh, I'm gonna preach whether you amen or not. But the question that they're, they're wrestling with is, is following Jesus really worth all this? I mean, is, is it really worth all this? Ever been there? Now, the question is then, if their question is, is following Jesus worth all this hardship, how does he answer it? And the answer is found in chapter 11, verse 2. He's talking about faith, but then he says in verse 2, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. He says, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. Now, stay with me in the classroom for a few more minutes. I promise we're going to church. But what follows is a litany of accounts of the great heroes of the faith, the the, the great patriarchs of the Old Testament. And basically he says, account after account, Hebrew Christians. They went through danger seen and unseen. They went through impossible and hard to believe situations, but they trusted God and God got them through. And that same God is still on the throne. So he is gonna get you through too. That's his plan. And then he gives a little piece of encouragement about the hard things we all have to face. He's have to face in our life. He says they went through it and received their commendation. Underline that word. Now the New Testament is originally written in language called Greek. That English word commendation, in some of your Bibles it's reward. In some of your Bibles it's the word approved, okay? Don't don't hear salvation. They're not working for salvation. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. But there's some sort of signature called commendation that God wants to put on the saint that can only happen if they're willing to undergo trials for his fame and glory in the earth. That word commendation is the Greek word martyreo. Martyreo. M-R-T-R-E-O. That's how you spell it, okay? Martyreo. Okay, it's that word martyreo from which we derive our English word martyr. Uh, martyreo is the idea. Get this now, because it's the most important nugget of the sermon. Here it is. Martyreo. Watch this now. Is the idea of a witness who's been validated. It's the idea of a witness who's been validated. 
This is what happens in our court system when there's a witness who had an eyewitness account and they heard things and they saw things, but they don't get to stand on court until the law enforcement people investigate it and currently can confirm that, yes, that was a witness who saw something. That was a witness who went through something. That is a witness who heard something. They're able to say, this witness is validated court. You ought to listen to their testimony. God told me to tell you, I want validated witnesses who have eyewitnesses account that Jesus is who he says he is. So all the people in your lives now listen to that person's testimony because they've been through something. Validated. When you hear, when you hear validated, think authentic. When you hear validated, think legit. When you hear validated, think somebody who's passed the test. When you hear validated, think someone who is real. God says, I want, I want to trust you with some hard stuff because I want to validate your voice for how good I am to the world. I, I want to validate you. God wants you to be real. I'm a member of a fraternity called Kappa Alpha Psi. I pledged back in college. And I'm what you call a proud Kappa man, okay? Pledged back in college. And this past week, we had our 110th anniversary, and I was just so excited celebrating. And poor April had to listen to all of my antics. And so I'm just texting my frat brothers all day, and I'm posting stuff, and I'm seeing if I still got the, 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 the steps and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just singing all day. Day. You know what I'm saying? K-A-P-P-A, A to the L to the P-H-A, P-S-I, Pi New Pi. I'm going to be a capital the day that I die. Poor April. <laughs> I'm just singing myself all day because I'm a Kappa. Man, I'm proud. And the reason I'm proud because on my campus, we were referred to as what you call, watch it now, real Kappa men. We were real Kappa men. And why were we considered real Kappa men? Because we underwent, let's just call them trials. We, we went through some stuff. We, we had to spend money we didn't have to buy our big brother's food. We had to paint their apartments. We had to rake their leaves. We had to buy flowers for their girlfriends. We had to wash their cars. We had to do crazy, embarrassing things like putting on all kinds of crazy, embarrassing clothes. Sometimes we couldn't put on any clothes, but that's a whole nother day for a whole nother time. And we went through all this rigmarole so that we could earn the title of a real Kappa man. And it's because I went through something. That when I think about Cap, I've got unshakable pride, unshakable allegiance, and unshakable beliefs about this organization that I have joined. But here's the thing about the story. On campus, you had real Kappa men, and you also said what we call paper Kappa men. Paper Kappa men were these scrawny, weak, nerdy, scaredy cat boys who didn't want to go through anything and sent their check off to national headquarters and in turn headquarters sent them a paper certificate and they had no respect on campus because they didn't go through what they went through. We called them paper. God says, I allow you to have trials because I refuse to love you less and let you live a life as a paper Christian. I'm going to validate you with some trouble. I'm going to validate you with some pain. I'm going to validate you with some experiences so that when people hear of your hope in Jesus Christ, they know that it is an authentic witness. Anybody smelling what I'm stepping in? God just wants you to be real. God just wants you to be validated. God just wants people to be able to listen. And one of the ways he does that is through your trouble. So the writer here is just encouraging his readers as to how they can have unshakable allegiance in Christ. 
unshakable faith, unshakable belief that this organization, Christianity, they have joined is the right path, that this Savior they have embraced is the only Savior. God does that and he ensures it through trial. So he presents to us the hall of faith. If you're new to the Bible, read chapter 11 and get familiar with it. It's one of the most oft-read chapters of Scripture. God tells story after story saying, you're not the only one who's been through something. He says, Abraham went through something. Abel went through something. And the same God that stewarded their path is the same God who will steer you through yours. Everyone looking this way because this is the only part I want you to get. What is his message in chapter 11? Every believer looking at me. He's saying, believer, you're going to get through this. Believer, God won't leave you alone. Believer, he still loves you when you're going through trouble. Believer, don't give up hope. Believer, don't shrink back. Believer, God's got you. Believer, God has faith that you're going to see it through. Believer, I know it's hard, but God's had hard before, even when you have it. Believer, don't be dismayed by what happened on Capitol Hill, but find your faith in what happened on Calvary's Hill 2,000 years ago. God has you. So I got to thinking about us and this stuff we got to deal with. And I just started thinking, what would Moses say to us? <laughs> what would Noah say? What would they say? And I think, I think it sounds something like this. Moses would say, he got me through my wilderness to my promised land. He can do it for you too. Noah said, he navigated my ark. He'll navigate your proverbial arks. Samson would say, he got me through the Philistine army. He'll get you through your army. Joseph would say, he got me through prison and he got me through slavery. He'll get you through yours. Just walk by faith. So let me equip you before we head home. Four things the heroes of the faith would say to us about trials, okay? All right, I want you to get this in your spirit. I want you to write this down, okay? Uh, everybody under 40 doesn't write anymore. You just punch things, okay? But whatever you do, I want you to get this, okay? All right? First thing they would say, here comes Captain Obvious about trials. What's good to know, they would say, here it is. We will have trials. Yay. Okay. Now, why is it so important for this to be the foundational truth that you need to hold on into seasons of trial? Because the last thing God wants you to be is surprised. You, trials may disappoint you but they should never surprise you. Believer, get this in your spirit. The question is not if I'll have a trial. The question is when will I have a trial? Grandmama used to say it this way, baby, if you ain't had no trials yet, just keep living. It's just a matter of time. So you're going to go through something in your life. We will have trials. And so Jesus says to us, John 16, 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But Jesus says to Southwest today, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And Jesus is saying to his church today, he's saying on the one hand, he's just keeping it real. And he's saying, I'm sorry, believer, but this is still a fallen world. This, is, this world is broken it is the reason why I came to die for you and to be risen again, not because the world was a good place, 
but because the world was a broken place. And so in one breath, in 1633 of John, Jesus is saying, wake up and smell the coffee. This world is not your home. Our home is in heaven. This world is broken. But then he says, the second thing I want you to know, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And while I'm watching the news this week and I'm thinking, huh, maybe I ought to try out Vancouver. And I'm dismayed. And I'm concerned for my country. And I'm concerned for my future. I can hear the whisper of John 16, Take heart, son. Take heart, daughter. I have overcome the world. We will have trials. But secondly, our trials have a purpose. Our trials have a purpose. Okay, do me a favor. Touch the person in your circle next to you and say, neighbor, uh, this is a black church exercise. Do not be alarmed. Touch the person and say, neighbor, your trial right now, God has a plan for you. Now clap it into your spirit. I'm, uh, okay, I'm going to stop being polished. I'm going to start getting a little real. Because there's somebody's fighting a drug habit that needs to hear that. There's somebody that's fighting some adultery that needs to hear that. There's somebody who's fighting for a wayward child that needs to hear that. There's somebody who's crying themselves at night that needs to hear that. There's somebody, if you had to tell the truth, you would have ended your life this week. But you needed to hear that. There's someone here who's got a secret that you don't think you can trust anyone with. And you needed to hear that every trial under heaven has a purpose. God has a purpose for your pain, a plan for your process, a triumph for your trouble. So then what is it? Because if Moses was here, he would say, Southwest, my wilderness had a purpose. If Abraham was here, he would say, it was the craziest day in the world. I had to go sacrifice my son, but it had a purpose. And here it is. Everyone looking this way. It's the most important part of the day. God loves you enough to do whatever it takes to get you to look like Jesus. Fellas, the goal is not money. It's to look like Jesus. Ladies, the goal is not perfect children with straight teeth who get straight A's who never mess up. It's Jesus. The goal is not a fantastic career that Fortune 500 writes an article about you. It is Jesus. God is preparing you not for the glimpse and vapor of this life. He's preparing you for eternity where you will be eternally conformed to the image of Jesus. God will not be happy until you look like Jesus, until you talk like Jesus, until by God you smell like Jesus, until you live like Jesus. His plan for you is to have perfect peace. His plan for you is to have perfect hope. His plan for you is to have perfect contentment. And God's recipe for giving you perfection is to make you like his son. That's what you want. So my trial has purpose to be conformed to his image. James 1 says, count it all joy then when you meet trials because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let that steadfastness have its full effect that you'll be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. First Peter says, after you've suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. God wants you to be more conformed and look like Jesus. It's the story of the little boy who went to work with his uh, blacksmith of a dad. His dad is making this golden plate. 
His dad got the fiery furnace there, and his dad has the tongs and the great gloves, and he gets the golden plate, and he sticks it in the fire. Then he hammers it. Then he rinses it in the water and looks at it. He sticks it into the fire. He hammers it. He rinses it in the water. Then he looks at it, and the boy says, Daddy, what in the world could you possibly be up to? And the blacksmith's dad says, Son, I'm trying to make something beautiful, so my process is to stick it in the fire. It makes it moldable in my hands. I hammer it up to shape it into what I want it to be. I dip it in the water to rid it of every impurity. And son, the final stage, I'll know what it's done. When I look in this golden plate, it can see my image in its reflection. God told me to tell you the only reason he's sticking you through the fire and hammering you sometimes and dipping you in the water is because at the end of it, he wants to be able to look at your life and see his son. Our trials have a purpose. But thirdly, just a matter of fact, remember peas and carrots. I didn't promise T-Bone. Third point is this. We just don't get to pick our trials. If you're alive and well this week and saw what happened this week, kind of got an amen right there. We just don't get to pick our trials. And that's what the heroes of faith will tell us. If Samson was here, he would say, I didn't pick the Philistines. They picked me. Abraham would say, guys, it wasn't my idea to sacrifice my only son. That situation picked me. The point is that we just don't get to pick the trials we go through. Now, real quickly, I think it's two reasons why the Lord didn't allow his children to pick their trials. The first one is this. If God said you get to pick our trials, your trial, nine times out of ten, you would pick those situations that grow everything but your character. You ain't got to say, man, I know that's right. If God said, hey, you get to pick your tests, you get to pick your trials, what will we do? The stuff that's easy, the stuff we've been through, those we know to do. Yeah, God, my trial would be to go and have a ham and cheese sandwich. That's my trial. It just, it just don't work like that. Because God knows we wouldn't pick things. We pick stuff that grows our money. We pick stuff that grows our popularity. We pick stuff that, 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 that grows uh, our possessions. But we would seldom pick something that grows our character. You see, we naturally just lean into prosperity. And here's the problem with you always consuming up prosperity. Prosperity is a terrible teacher. And so God allows us to go through trials. Secondly, I believe that God didn't allow us to pick our trials because even if we did choose something that was hard, let's be real, y'all, we wouldn't pick nothing that's hard enough. Can I get an amen right there? Come on, parents. Have you ever seen your kids decide how they're going to clean up? It's just a pitiful, pitiful process, right? Like they just go and they don't even, they don't even put their hands on the broom. They just kind of blow dirt. <sighs> no, no good parent allows their children to pick their own challenges because we would never pick anything that is hard enough. Uh, our Jenkins family, we love goals and we love New Year resolutions. And so all December, we get excited for our New Year goals. It's just a big deal in our household. We've been doing this for years. And so I've been praying and fasting, Lord, what, what are the mountains you want our family to climb in 2021? And what are the challenges you want us to overcome? And then April's got her list and it's ready to go. And we decided, hey, why don't this year we include the children into this process? 
six, four, and two. And so, hey, let's make it real. Let's give them a couple of weeks to prepare. Let's teach them what a goal is. Let's teach them what a, a mountain is. And we'll make it special. We'll light the first fire of the year in the backyard in the fire pit. And we'll have some worship music playing. And we'll do our thing. And we'll cook s'mores for the kids. And we're just going to have this awesome spiritual, godly moment. And I get up and I say, well, well, family, daddy has big dreams and goals. I'm going to read this many books. I'm going to start my dissertation. I'm I'm going to pray this many times. I'm going to do this with my disciples. I'm going to serve in this capacity. I'm going to be this kind of shepherd. I'm going to do my book proposal this year. And me and mommy are going to pray for 15 minutes every day this year. And so I'm just excited that April gets up and it's her turn. And April says, well, boys, mommy is going to pray every day with your daddy this year. And mommy's going to be in a Bible study every week this year. And mommy's going to find service projects that just our Jenkins family can do with each other. We're just going to go help people. And we're going to fast this many days this year. And we're just pumped because we're like, this is awesome. Like, we're we're, we're talking about the hard things we want to get done. And so now it's my six-year-old's turn. And mom and dad are just excited. What is he going to say? This is so awesome. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My kids are so perfect. You know? And we're just like, oh, my God. Here we go. And, and, and Cam, the six-year-old, gets up. And with bated breath, we look at him. And Cam says, Daddy, this year, I'm going to catch a hummingbird. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, oh, my God. I fail. And I'm like, okay. And we're trying to look positive, right? (laughs) Okay, son, that's great. You're going to catch a hummingbird. Let's try the four-year-old. And so we go over to Grandy. Son, what's the big challenge you have? What's the dream you're dreaming to do hard for God? And Grandy gets up and says, oh, 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 dad, I'm going to buy a remote control car. (laughs) It's then that we realize maybe our children need a few more years before they become a part of the goals thing. See, God is a good parent. And he knows that kids seldom pick the thing that's hard enough that's going to get them the character they need to have. We will have trials. Our trials have purpose. We don't get to pick our trials, but here's the hope. Everyone looking this way. You will never go through a trial alone. If Samson and Abraham and Joseph and Jacob and Isaac were here, they would say he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. They would say that he will never leave you or forsake you. They would say that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. They would say that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Church, if you forget everything else, remember this. You will never go through a trial alone. God will draw near, pull you close, and give you the confidence to walk through the storm. My little boys have a job. My six-year-old's job is to take out the garbage put the garbage on the street. My four-year-old's job is to bring it in. And the other day, little Grandy was going to the garbage can to bring it in, and we're all outside, and he, 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 he pulls up the lid, but he crushes his little finger. 
and he's just reeling in pain. He's just, oh, he's just crying, and he is wailing. Of course, mom and daddy, we rush him, and we pick him up. We say, oh, buddy, we're so sorry. And, you know, good parents, we're just kissing the boo-boo, and we just say, it's going to be okay. And, you know, he's dramatic. I don't know where he gets that from, but he, 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 he's just, you know, he's got the dramatic cry. It wasn't that bad, but he's like this. <laughs> It's just dramatic. I don't know where. And April, honey, I just, that's your side. Anyway, but we comfort him and calm him down. And he seems like he's got his strength up and he's ready to go take the garbage back in. He's ready to go do his job that his daddy gave to him. And he's walking with courage towards that garbage can. But then I noticed, you know what? He, he lost his confidence. Let me do something dad-like. And so I'm from Rankin County, Mississippi, and I, and I gave him some stuff that my daddy used to say. And before he puts his hand back on the trash can, I look at him and I say, boy, don't you let that thing beat you. <laughs> and he flashed those teeth. And he had a big old crocodile grin. And instead of just moseying back, he started marching back. And he put his hands back on what his daddy told him to do. God told me to tell you, with whatever trials in your life, don't you let that thing beat you. Go with the confidence of God to put your hands back on what he told you to do and walk by faith. Last line is this. Don't let a crisis go to waste. Learn what you got to learn. See what you got to see. Grow how you need to grow, but by faith. If I'm talking to you, this church wants to pray for you. If you're in the thick of the storm, we want to pray you through. I want to pray for you. I just want to encourage you. If you're in a trial right now, but you want to be faithful and put your hands back on what God told you to do, can we pray you through that thing? Some of you are going through the trial of grief. Would you stand so this church can pray for you? Some of you are going through the trial of fear. Would you stand so this church can pray for you? Some of you are going through the trial of a broken marriage. Would you stand so this church can pray for you? Some of you are going through the trial of finance. Would you stand so this church can pray for you? Some of you are going through the trial of suffering, of what's going on with your kids or your grandkids. Would you stand and let us pray for you? Some of you are going through the trial of a workplace that is overwhelming you. Would you stand and let this church pray for you? May God give you confidence to put your hands back on what he's entrusted to you. Everybody that's standing, we're going to pray for you. But I want to encourage you to do something right now. And I know it seems elementary, but I'm learning in my struggles that it's one of the best things I can do. And do this for me. Would you just take a deep breath in? Deep breath out. Now look this way. The only reason you were able to do that it's because Jesus decided you would have breath. The same God who just decided you will have breath to breathe is the same God who will give you power to stand amidst the trials of your life. Look at me, brother. Look at me, sister. Don't give up.
Don't shrink back. Stand one day at a time. God will not fail you. There's hope for you. There's life for you. There are promises for you. I declare it according to the authority of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Walk in faith. Walk in love. And walk in hope. So, Father, we pray over these that are standing. And, God, we just beg you for your blessing. God, some of these people who are standing have been in this trial a long time, and they are weary, and they are tired, and they are hurting. And, God, we need you to do what only you can do. Touch their heart, touch their body, touch their mind. And, God, do that surgery stuff that only a great physician can do. Take out what doesn't belong, add in what they need, God, and be unto them a well springing up to everlasting life. If it's grief, soften it. If it's finances, provide it. If it is fear, bring courage. If it is doubt, bring the word and clarity. If it is the pain of a past and sin and mistakes, let them now seek forgiveness and move forward knowing there is a clean slate because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Holy Ghost, heal today. Holy Ghost, Strengthen today. Holy Ghost, make the crooked places straight today and deliver your people as only you can. Help them, God, to put their hands back on what you've called them to do. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.